Welcome to the Bolstered Up Sports Podcast. I'm Brian Bolster. Please follow me on Instagram at bolstered underscore up underscore sports and on Twitter at BS underscore takes. Please share, rate, review, and subscribe. I appreciate all of the support. Got a great episode on deck today. Back at it with Ethan Poulos and Will Langmeyer to discuss the greatest basketball players of all time. Black Jesus, the king, the magic man, and a little Kareem in your coffee. Even the ghost of Harrison Barnes gets a little bit of a mention. Hope you all enjoy. All right, thanks guys for being here. How are you? I'm doing good. How you guys doing? I'm doing good. All right, appreciate it. So I could see this ended up going and kind of boiling down to MJ versus LeBron, but I wanted to give a couple other guys a little bit of respect that I think need to be mentioned and I think have a case to be the greatest basketball player ever. But I do think we need to get one thing kind of out of the way to start, that we're going to debate the greatest basketball player of all time instead of the best basketball player of all time. And I think that might be confusing for some people, but really what I mean is greatest deals more with like impact and dominance over peers versus best just being who's more athletic, pure skill. We on the same page with that? Sounds good to me. All right, so, you know, obviously when you compare players to their generation and to their peers and you're trying to objectify dominance, there's obviously going to be plenty of subjectivity within there. But as I looked, I, I really broke down four main players. I broke down Michael Jordan, Bron James, Magic Johnson, and Kareem. And just looking at their numbers, it is staggering. Just the level of dominance, the continued dominance, really from the time they entered the league to the end of their careers, and that basically at their peaks, they were all in the top three in voting for the MVP eight years straight, which is pretty incredible. Did you guys have anybody else that you at least somewhat strongly considered other than those four? No, I put Russell at fifth. I think the winning kind of puts him above Wilt as the next kind of tier of players. But no, I think I think those four are probably the top that you can go and debate on. And then there's another tier of like eight or ten players that is below those top four guys. Yeah, I agree. Only person you say would be Russell, but I kind of just because of the rings. But there was also like eight teams in the league back then, so it's not the same. Yeah, you know, you're trying to compare generations as best as possible, but that one really does kind of stick out as a sore thumb, and it is the most difficult to compare to these modern generations, at least in my opinion. To me, when you look at Kareem, you have to look at his college career and his college impact. On the one hand, just because how dominant he was, beating the national championship UCLA Bruins basically by himself when he's on the freshman team and not allowed to play. Then he wins three straight national championships, three straight national player of the years, and dominates so much that they literally take the dunk out of the game. So that's like on one hand. And then the second hand is how that impacted his NBA career. And, you know, maybe if he comes around in the year 2003, he probably goes straight to the NBA and his total points would be so astronomical that I don't even think LeBron James could catch him. It would be so pushed out there so far. If you look at like his first couple seasons in the NBA, he was so dominant. And 
averaging basically 30 and 16. And I think sometimes, especially people in, in our generation, when we go back and we watch those ESPN classics and, you know, you watch the documentaries on Bird and Magic, the Kareem that we see is the Kareem at the very tail end. You know, the Kareem that's 42 years old. And, you know, so he, he doesn't quite get his due in that way. Yeah, and, I mean, you get bald with goggles, Kareem. You don't really get the Kareem with the little fro and a little more bounce in his step that he had when he was with the Bucks and everything. But you also – Centers are hard because they don't control the pace of the game as much and they rely more on other people getting them the ball in a spot and then them creating their shot out of that spot. Yeah, Kareem's numbers are just ridiculous, though. You look at the points, blocks weren't even a thing when he started playing. You would have to think he'd be up near the top in blocks per game and career blocks if that was a thing. And just his college career is absurd. And then they're not being allowed to dunk. Like that's the craziest rule that you can think of just because one guy was so much better than everybody else. It's like, no, we can't, you can't dunk the basketball, which in the long run probably was the best thing for him because it forced him to develop this sky hook, which is still probably the most difficult shot to block or defend in NBA history. Oh, it's impossible. He's shooting that thing from 14 feet off the ground and like a legitimate mid range shot that's just insane it wasn't close little hook shots he was dropping the ball down into the basket pretty much he wasn't shooting it up it was going down from his hand into the rim yeah I've always thought oh you know old Kareem like you said bald with the goggles kind of looks like a turtle without its shell that's just (laughs) always what I'm kind of thought like him gliding and whatnot and especially at the end there kind of moving slow and his goggles don't do him any any favors but yeah Kareem, just all-time dominant, one of the most impactful players on the game, just in general, the game of basketball. And he, I just felt like he had to be mentioned. Absolutely. So I would have Magic being third over Kareem just because of the stuff that you said, impact on the game, creating for himself and others. And I think guys who handle the ball just kind of have that inherent advantage over the center's when you look at impact and for me, he was so dominant, but in such a different way than especially like a Michael Jordan. First of all, he's maybe the closest to Russell in terms of winning in in terms of he made nine finals in 12 years. And if he doesn't get sick, that's not going to stop. Like they were going to keep making the finals at least until probably 94 with that Rockets team really stepping up, they were going to keep making the finals in the Western Conference. He was in the top three in MVP voting his last nine seasons. You know, a lot of those where he's not number one is he's either second to Larry Bird or Michael Jordan. So, you know, it's one thing to finish in the top three voting and not win MVP. Well, you're not winning MVP because what – a lot of people consider the greatest player of all time is that kind of gives you an excuse, I guess, if that makes sense. And then looking at his assist numbers, a lot of his efficiency numbers, when you look towards the end of his career, the three point numbers, I just firmly believe that players like him, if they came around today, they showed the ability to improve that three point shot. Not that they would be Steph Curry, but that you could pretty safely say they'd be at least a league average three-point shooter, right? Yeah. Kind of like that 35% range shooting 
maybe four attempts a game, something like that. Yeah, I think, too, with Magic, kind of the biggest thing for that argument that he would improve as a shooter is his free throw numbers. I don't know if you know the story where he was not a great free throw shooter, just not a great jump shooter in general coming out of college. But Larry was such a good just shooter. Larry Bird's uh, free throw numbers were always around 90%. He was always 50, 40, 90, or right around there. And Magic's goal, and by the time he finished playing, his goal was to shoot at least the same percentage as Larry in a season from the free throw line. So he ended up shooting over 90% from the free throw line towards the end of his career because he was so determined to make that shot better. So I'm sure if he was if the three-point shot was more of a weapon at that point, he would push his range out further and be a better shooter. But then, like you said, with his assist numbers, he's not the all-time leader in just total assists, but his assist per game is far and away. Like, it's like two points higher than the next closest person. Like, it's like 12 or 13 per game. Sorry to cut you off, but and his assist turnover ratio is, like, way better than in anybody's but especially like the modern guys who are getting a lot of assists these yeah, days. Yeah, and it, not like you did, you put that poll up with like usage rate and stuff. Like he didn't, he was not a high usage guy, but he was so efficient in getting everything done on as few possessions as he was impacting the game as possible. Because he had Kareem, he had James Worthy, he had other guys that could make plays, but he was the one that made sure everybody was getting what they were going to get and make sure the game flowed through him. To go on the usage rate, his was 22%, which you'll see – all the other dominant players are at least in the low 30s. And some guys recently with Russell Westbrook and James Harden are at 40%. So basically his usage rate is half, but he's so productive. And a couple other players we may or may not mention again later in this podcast have higher usage rates than Magic Johnson. And that is Swaggy P has a higher usage rate than Magic Johnson and J.J. Barea. Magic definitely is top five. His impact on the game and kind of pushing the pace forward and the pace of the whole league by the time he was in his prime in the mid-80s was so fast. They were getting so many shots up per game because teams try to keep up with that Lakers team because they were always pushing the pace, always trying to make runs, fast break, and teams had to keep up because they kept making the finals anyway. So the only team that stopped them was the Rockets in one year, and they had two seven footers on the same team so that was the only way they got stopped once in magic's pretty much whole run of the 80s i definitely agree i think he is a top five and could be argued as a top three player of all time just to go over some of their career accomplishments to kind of put it in context in relation of each other nba finals championships michael jordan has six lebron has three magic has five kareem has six when you look at finals appearances, Michael's still just at the six. LeBron's at nine. Magic is at nine. And Kareem is at 10. And then finals MVP, again, Michael still at the six. LeBron, three. Magic, three. And Kareem, two. But you look, yeah, you look at um, LeBron's finals wins and the argument's kind of been had that 15 and 16 should have flipped. They definitely were the better team in 15 if, they're, if Love and Kyrie didn't get hurt. But I mean, they made it up for it in 16, which we'll talk about that one later, I'm sure. Continue with your uh, stat reading for right now. Okay, so MVPs, regular season MVPs, you got MJ with five, LeBron with four, Magic with three, and Kareem with six. So, again, with all these guys, you can always argue they should have more. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong, but I think it kind of always evens itself out. 
I know Michael Jordan personally feels like he should have like 12 MVPs. And I know LeBron, like you can make the case that he should have probably, yeah, like eight or nine. Like I get that. And same with Kareem. But I think that is something that kind of evens out over the generations. Like people get tired of them and they vote for Malone over Michael or they get tired of LeBron and they pick D Rose over, over him. So I think that's something that relatively evens out. Yeah, I agree. I think MVP is kind of a, not the biggest hurdle for these guys to jump. Like Kobe has won. You look at the MVPs, people have won and MVP is a media award. Larry won three in a row because it was the eighties and voting for the one good white basketball player was a popular thing to do. He was amazing. He's still a top 10 player of all time, but could that have been split up? And if that was a modern day, would that have been split up? It probably would have been split up with Bird probably would have won two and Magic probably would have won one of those just to break up the monotony of one guy winning three in a row. And like LeBron with the D Rose, that was his first year in Miami and everybody hated him for the decision. Yeah, he wasn't going to win that one like pretty much no matter what. The one cool part about Kareem's is that before 1980, the players voted on it. And so he won a lot and was, you know, in the top three a lot when it was just a player voted thing, which is which is kind of cool when you, if you guys go back and look at like, you know, pro basketball reference and you look at the MVP voting for those years, it is interesting how there's not the sprinkling of new players in because the players just voted on like the same five guys for like a whole decade, which makes sense. The next would be like the all defense. And that to me is where like, well, Magic's going to drop below Michael and LeBron definitely then because he doesn't have any all defense was a pretty good defense player and has quite a few steals, but Michael Jordan has nine all defense, LeBron six, Kareem 11. Again, if we're splitting hairs, I think that's definitely something that people on the Jordan side of things are always going to bring up. When you look at all NBAs, this is something that really evens out, especially when you look at length of careers. MJ has 11, LeBron has 15, Magic has 10, Kareem has 15. And it's basically like, they made all NBA every year except two. And for pretty much all of them, it's like their rookie year, they didn't make it. And then they got hurt one year. And that's the only reason they didn't make it. And like I looked it up, LeBron's second through his 13th season, he was first team and then had a third. His last, I think the last season he was 13 because he was hurt. But they're a top five player in the league for 15 years pretty much consecutively. It's, it's crazy. The lone defensive player of the year goes to Michael Jordan here. Pretty astonishing season where he won defensive player of the year and MVP. Then a lot of people on Michael Jordan's side are going to point to the scoring championships. He's got 10. Hmm. LeBron has one, Magic zero, which should surprise nobody. (laughs) And then Kareem has two, which actually was a little bit surprising. It makes a little bit of sense when you go back and you look at who was playing and all. And like you mentioned a little bit earlier, the pace that was played at then, it was a faster pace. There were more points scored. And it was fun basketball to watch. As far as steals championships, Michael Jordan has three. Magic has two. Then after that, you got like assist championships. That's Magic with four. Then rebounds, Kareem has one. Blocks, he has four. And again, yeah, like you, you said, like this- if that was kept before, he probably would have like eight. Yeah. And you could go assist LeBron probably if, I mean, if the league ended today, they don't play a playoffs. He's going to have one because he's technically right now leading 
which is kind of crazy. I mean, Wilt kind of did the same thing where he was like, I'm bored. I'm going to lead the league in assists one year. I don't know if LeBron's bored, but it's kind of crazy that this is his 14th, 15th year of the league, and he's leading the league in assists. Similar to Wilt, it's something he can just, like, choose to do. Yeah. Which, to me, that's always been the more accurate comparison. People always like to say LeBron and Magic, and I get it. They're both 6'9", big dudes who can pass it well, and he is a great passer. But to me – LeBron and Wilt are a little bit more comparable. Well, going back to the scoring titles, LeBron even addressed it earlier in his career. Like, he could have, he could be the scoring champion any year he wanted to, really. It was just a matter of that's not how he played the game of basketball. I think if Jordan approached the way that the game of LeBron did, he probably wouldn't win all the scoring titles. And if, if LeBron approached the game the way that Jordan did, he would and won a bunch of scoring titles. So it's just basketball philosophy and, and at that point rather than ability. I think you see that with a lot of players. Like even Kobe, who's known as like a great scorer, he doesn't have a ton of scoring championships. You see the one year where he really went after it, and what was it, 06, where he averaged 35 points a game. Any of those top-level guys, if they really wanted to go after it, they easily could. LeBron could if that was a specific oh, yeah. goal that he had. Say from like 06 to 2014, so I'd say eight or nine years, he probably could have done it easily. Those, I mean, I think he pretty much assumed that he could have if he wanted to all those years. No, I don't. I don't think he's winning it those years because Durant's Durant could have scored fifty. Uh, not fifty. But he could have scored thirty-five a game. In my opinion, Durant's the best scorer of all time because he's seven foot with a jump shot. We'll see how that plays out through the rest of his career and with his Achilles injury and stuff. My biggest thing with the scoring stuff. I mean, Michael's the all-time points per game leader in NBA history. LeBron passed Michael in points per game on a thousand less shots, though, and less free throw attempts per game. We, there's always the argument Jordan was more skilled. LeBron was much more efficient, though. He just isn't looked at a scorer because he doesn't have as many fluid moves where his turnaround jumper looks like Jordan's did. He's not doing as much where it's more of a skilled, finesse style of play. He's just physically superior. I think this is really where we have to start getting into the debate side of things, start adding context. We kind of did the overview, look at some of the raw stats. And I think like with that, you've got to add the context of, well, how much does the three-point shot factor in? I agree with you when you just look at the numbers. I mean, you have to agree. It's just the fact, right? LeBron has been more efficient. But I do wonder how much the three-point shot has factored into that because Michael Jordan's definitely the better mid-range shooter and free-throw shooter. But I don't think there's any doubt LeBron's uh, made his living at the rim as well. No, I, I agree. Jordan Jordan's skill level was probably higher. I just think the biggest thing, just looking at an overview of LeBron, like you said with Wilt, LeBron's dominant in the most athletically superior time the league has ever had. For me, looking at LeBron, you just have to look at the body of work. I think his peak might not be the highest peak like Jordan had, but I think his extended run at the top has surpassed Jordan's and for me has made him a better all-time player. I'm a Carolina fan, and it's kind of rare for a Carolina fan to put a Carolina guy, especially Michael Jordan, below somebody. I think LeBron, even though the rings doesn't match up, I think getting to the finals – as many times as he has in carrying some of these teams he's carried to the finals, especially like even the 07 Cavs team where that team 
was Larry Hughes, Sadrunas Ogowskis, and like Mo Williams. And he got them to the final. So they got swept. But the performance he had against the Pistons, 29 of the last 30 points, 22 straight, the dunk he had in that game to get them to the finals is one of the best performances in NBA history. That was his arrival, really, and kind of showed the league, like, all right, guys, you need to watch out. Because from here on out until whenever he decides at this point, really, he's going to be the best player in the league. And it's kind of showed, even though he was in the East, and that's one of the arguments people have against him, that the East was weaker. The Pacers team was good. They still weren't really going to beat those guys. And you look at the teams Jordan was going through. The Pacers team Jordan played. Not great. They were good, but not great. You look at the East that Jordan went through. Not great. The league at Jordan's peak was watered down. They added four teams, which a couple of those teams were pretty good. The Hornets were really good in the 90s. They had Morning and Larry Johnson and some of those guys, and they played them in the playoffs. They were a decent team, but the league is stronger now, and LeBron kept an entire conference out of the finals for a decade. They just weren't getting to the finals. Now, he did it on multiple teams, and The numbers for him kind of lay out. He's going to be the only guy with 30,000-plus career points. He's going to end up with over 10,000 career rebounds, 10,000 career assists. He's probably going to end up second or third all-time on the assist list. He might be the best passing big man that's not magic. Also, his player empowerment, where he has really changed how the league does business now. He has put kind of being a media mogul more in the forefront. Now, Jordan made a lot of money, and Jordan obviously is an owner, which is crazy, but his is mainly from his shoes and from his endorsements and things like that, and then his investments and other things. LeBron is doing this with a media company, with investing in himself, really, and getting people to other players start investing in themselves and saying, we're going to try to take the power from these owners and allow us to go to different places. And the league is clearly different now because of what LeBron was able to do and his worst decision was the decision I mean it was and but that if that's the worst hit negatively on him as a person it's kind of hard to really hate LeBron as a person for anything he's done he's just been so consistent and so kind of almost an approachable athlete for his entire career There's really never even like his social media stuff today. He's just kind of like a goofy dad and a lot of the stuff he puts on social media. I mean, to me, to put this like a little bit in context again, it's very similar to Magic slash Kareem's run in the 80s there in the Western Conference. Like you can make the argument, well, the West just wasn't very good. And that's part of the reason they just ran through and got to the finals pretty much every year. So I think you can always make that argument first and foremost it's an accomplishment. Getting to the finals over and over and over again is hard, even if the competition isn't that great. And part of the reason people consider the competition not that great is because you're beating their brains in, right? Like if you lose, then all of a sudden it's good competition. So there's really no win when you try to look at it like that. Now, I will say the East was really bad in reference to the West during LeBron's run, and that's the one I'm more familiar with. Got to watch it live. Pretty much all the good players are in the West. And when you look back now, again, it's important to understand the game has changed even from when LeBron was going up against those Pacer teams. Like Roy Hibbert went from being a legitimately good player to out of the league in like three years. But he was a big force in those series, which looking back now and you're like, oh, that Pacers team, they really pushed them more than anybody. And it's like, who do they have? Young Paul George, who's kind of known as a 
a choker in the playoffs and Roy Hibbert. And it's like, yeah, what? <laughs> and you look and you look too though, LeBron also had a huge impact on the positionless kind of starting of the pace and space NBA with the heat, the positionless basketball, a lot of that was Spolstra and kind of saying, okay, we're going to play five out. For LeBron, that works perfect because he is so dominant and he does so much of his work controlling the game at the top of the key. And that, I think, also helped push the league forward. Now, again, the Warriors blew that to a completely different place once they were able to start doing what they were doing. But that doesn't start without LeBron and that Heat team, really Spolstra, but having LeBron and being able to do that where at that point – he was playing first team all defense defense. He was guarding any position and they could start doing all their switching because he was that Bill Simmons like slot as the queen of the chessboard. He can do every single thing you want him to do. I don't think he's really ever been a player like that ever. Like there really isn't a guy that can really do anything on the court at all times. Magic could do a lot, but the scoring kind of knocked him a little bit. I would argue that Magic is really the one that started like positionless basketball. There was just no other athletes like him until we get to the more modern NBA. And now, obviously, LeBron's like the ultimate player in that respect. But now there's plenty of others. One of Magic's best accomplishments, when you look at players' career arcs and you've got to kind of judge, should I value a higher peak more or like an elongated? apex if that makes sense which is the which of those are more valuable and for magic to have kareem go down against philly in the finals and play center and take it to him for 42 and win the finals is just insane as a rookie i think the biggest thing though with putting lebron at the very top above michael even though he didn't win the finals like jordan did putting any sort of fight against some of these teams, especially where four of his finals are against that Warriors team, and two of them are with the second best player in the league, the third best player in the league, a top five defensive player, and then another top 15 to 20 player in clay, all on the same team. And to put up the 51 in game one, the J.R. Smith game, we all know now, and to put up just the complete numbers he put up for those four finals against the Warriors, I think, speaks a lot for how he went from regular season and then that kind of switch flip in, in the playoffs and the finals. And he did – I mean, he scores 30-plus in almost every single finals now. His final stats are pretty much a triple-double for his career on a lot of games. So it's not like he's just doing it on one final series. I mean, again, he's been in nine finals. So, and I think the 16 series in general, and especially his last three games, but the 16 series in general, I think is one of the greatest performances of all time. That team was viewed as so dominant. I remember we were, I think all three of us were somewhere. We were watching the game. I think it was game four and the Warriors won. It wasn't super close. It was three, one like this thing's over it's not even fun to watch like they're just so much better they're doing all this stuff shooting so many threes the Cavs can't keep up I mean they had won 73 games that year they win the next game they're the best team of all time and then he just goes and turns everything on its head has probably the best sidekick performance he could have asked for from Kyrie which helps a lot but 
for him to go 42-42 triple-double and then have the greatest defensive play of all time, Ted lead every team in points, every team in rebounds, everybody in assists, average 2.6 steals, 2.3 blocks on 42 minutes a game. I think is he's at 41.7, so that means he's set maybe a minute a game at the most. And then shot almost 50%, 49% from the field, 37% from three against what was probably at the time the greatest team of all time and then until the next year's Warriors team. I really think that is what kind of pushes him over the top because Jordan always played teams in the finals that were of equal or lesser value than his team. The only series they ever were not favored to win is the Suns team. I know you're going to say that's partially why Jordan's better because his teams weren't fav- were favored. Well, yeah, just they were favored because they had Michael Jordan. But also, if you look at that, the reason they were favored was because they had Michael Jordan, yes, but also because the team around Michael. And so Michael being added on top of that team, yes, you're going to be favored. But Michael not on that team is still a top four or five team in the league. LeBron, every time he's left the team, has went from top two, top three team in the league to complete garbage. The Heat probably would have been okay, but Chris Bosh had his uh, artery issue and stuff, which kind of forced him out. I think that speaks a lot, where Jordan was only not favored in one finals. That was just because Phoenix had home court advantage in uh, 92-93. And that was the only reason why, is because if there was a game seven, Phoenix was at home. The only knock you're going to – I know you're going to talk about 2011 here in a little bit, so I'll let you talk about that in a minute. But the only knock that I see is that finals, and I think – in the performances he had in the next seven finals after the one knock in his one bad series before that more than makes up for it. And I also think the series he had before 2011 in the, with the Bulls and that Bulls team was really good. They were the number one seed and he holds Derrick Rose to zero points league MVP. If you watch and, the games, you know, Derrick Rose is not on that level. Like I think everybody really knew that not to, to take away from the accomplishment, but just to put it in context of like, he didn't do that to Kobe Bryant or KD or a Wade. Like Derek Rose was awesome and he was fun. He's not on that level, even if he stays healthy forever. Absolutely, You're right. No, he's not. But I think that was LeBron's first Croatia game where in the Olympics, they're just like Michael and Scott, like we're just not letting Ku coach do anything. I think that's LeBron's game. I think the best basketball performance I've ever seen is his game six in Boston, especially the first half where he scores 30. And it was all jump shots. It was, for me, watching that live, this dude is just better. Like, he's better than everybody. They were down 3-2, and he just – he. I mean, if they don't win that game, so much pressure is on him, not the team, him, because if they lose 2011 to the Mavs and then – blow this game in the garden against the Celtics and don't make the finals against this old Celtics team, then it's done. There's no, we, we're not having this argument if he loses that game. But to go 45, 15, and 6 and shoot 70-something percent in the first half and put 30 points up and just not miss, there can be all the Jordan talk. That game and then the 2016 finals is what, for me, puts him over Michael in the all-time debate. So I'll go ahead and say, yeah, that Boston game was definitely one of the best games that I have ever watched live. It was an all-time performance, and it really was like 
this guy has a level that absolutely nobody else can reach. But I want to take like one step back, talk briefly about their playoff dominance, all the players, and then get into, all right, specifics about their apex and or stains on their record. So points per game, you've got Michael Jordan, 33 and a half, LeBron, 29, Magic, 19 and a half, Kareem, 24 and a half. Really, that's a little bit skewed because a decent amount of his playoff games are when he's like 40, 41, 42. Assists per game, Michael Jordan just under six, LeBron just over seven, Magic 12 and a half, Kareem at three, rebounds, Michael's got six and a half, LeBron's at nine, Magic just under eight, Kareem 10 and a half. Steals, pretty much Michael, LeBron, and Magic are all roughly right at two. Blocks, Michael, LeBron both at one. Turnovers, really all the turnover numbers are the same with Michael Jordan being 3.1, LeBron 3.6, and Magic 3.7. Again, to me, that's a big win for Magic, though. He's sitting there at a playoffs assist-to-turnover ratio at 4-1 to one with 12.5 assists. It's just insane. And again, on 21% usage rate, 21. And Michael's at 35, and LeBron's at 32. So again, even with the modern era and the usage rates kind of going through the ceiling, LeBron is one that, I think it helps him out that he's a little bit lower and in that lower 30s compared to a a Harden or Westbrook. I think people are definitely going to push back against that more. Now, the 2016 playoffs was an all-time performance, and that just shows you how tough it was to beat that Warriors team, was it took three Hall of Famers, arguably the best player of all time, and Kyrie, which I think in some ways when we look back at his career, when that time comes, It'll be kind of underwhelming, but his peaks are insanely high. He's an ultra-talented player that in those final series, it was an all-time performance, not to mention the shot at the end is just crazy. But people just say, like, LeBron came back from 3-1. He's the greatest, and just leave it at that. And I think this is going to drive me nuts, especially in, like, 20 years, but people are even forgetting now that, like, KD wasn't on that team. That's a team of Curry, Clay, and Draymond. And Harrison Barnes, again, the ghost of Harrison Barnes, I think, made it to the finals. But when you put it in context of they're up 3-1 and Draymond goes with the nut punch and gets suspended. Now, I don't want to dive too deep down the conspiracies, maybe save that for another time. But I really think if the series is in a different situation, he does not get suspended. But it's 3-1. He gets suspended. Also, no Bogut. Also, Curry's hurt. Like, people forget that and want to act like it's no big deal. And I'm not saying he was 50%, but he was hurt. He missed playoff games that season. So I think that context is important, not to mention going down 3-1. Draymond wasn't suspended for the actual, like, punch. He was suspended for excessive technicals throughout the playoffs. So Which was, they decided to give him yes, later. They yes, just, yes, they, they reviewed went, it and they decided, can we suspend this guy without actually handing him a suspension? We also have the Curry mouthpiece Chuck at the end of game five, six, I believe. I mean, he's clearly not healthy. You can watch the series. He's not healthy. Barnes, 
like you said, just doesn't show up offensively. Defensively, he was actually really good in that series. And that's why he was on the court and they couldn't take him off the court because he was so integral with them switching the defense they played. Well, a ghost but is offense- kind of scary to go up against. That's probably what helped him yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> Playing against somebody's ghost, that's kind of scary. That's going to throw off the jumper. He's open a lot. And partially it's because they want he's the one they want to shoot. But – He's a good player. Like, he's not like he's a terrible offensive player. He just didn't make anything. And it's partially the moment might have been too big. And, yeah, it takes a special, special set of circumstances for that comeback to take place. It's not like LeBron came back, put the whole team on his back, and scored 50 like he did in the J.R. Smith game every game. Like, no, it took other circumstances. Bogut not being able to play was big because that was their – kind of other defensive guy and after that Tristan could kind of do what he wanted down low I think Brian was trying to kind of downplay that roster obviously they won 73 games something no other team in NBA history has done Bogut got hurt for two games he was playing 12 minutes a game so I mean don't think that that you can really say hey they're out they're losing they're missing the guy who played 12 minutes a game that's pretty big disagree there Harrison Barnes you know like cool said played good defense Andre Iguodala was the best player on the Sixers for a long time before he went to the Warriors. I mean, he took LeBron when he played for the Sixers. I think they took them to seven games when he played for the Sixers. So Andre Godala, obviously nothing to sneeze at. Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, best two shooters to ever play the game, hands down. And you got Draymond, who I'm not a big fan of, but, you know, he's a very versatile player. He was uh, the best player on the on the Warriors that series, too. Like, if you look at his position. numbers throughout that series, yeah. he was incredible. Can guard every position. Not a great scorer, but great, you know, very good passer for his position on the offensive end. That was a very good team. And my Sean Livingston, nightmare matchup off the bench. What is he like, six eight? And LeBron, you know, once you get past, you know, Kevin Love and Kyrie, I mean, who's the next best player for that? J.R. Smith, Tristan Thomas. They came back, and Draymond. I think he deserved to get suspended. It was obviously bad timing, and I'm not saying that. The NBA didn't, you know, wasn't trying to push it a little bit. Obviously, they want to make it a more competitive series, but it's not like you can be like, well, they, they just made up some suspension. Like, it had been building throughout the entire playoffs that he's been doing weird stuff like that the whole time. Going back a little bit, people knock on, you know, LeBron because he's only won three and he's lost six or whatever. You go to the first one finals he went to, I mean, they were never going to win that. Michael Jordan on steroids wouldn't have won that series if you took LeBron out and put Jordan in. The series they lost in Miami to the Spurs, and the Spurs had, like, the most insane shooting performance of all time that I remember. I don't know if the numbers stacked up. Yeah, but Danny I mean, they, Green they, looked freaking crazy. I mean, they were shooting, like, 70% from the floor or something absurd. I don't remember what it was exactly, but it was, like, crazy. If they shoot like that for a whole series, you just can't beat that. It's not possible. All right, hold on. I got to stop you there. I got to. <laughs> because, first of all, we brush over that 2016 Cavs team like it's – the the Cavs team from 2007. They had easily Kyrie being a, probably a top 10 player in the league at that time, and definitely with those finals performances. But also, Kevin Love, another Hall of Famer. They had three Hall of Famers. You know, they pulled in some other good free agents, Tristan Thompson, more so than even Kevin Love, however you want to rank him in the league. He's definitely a Hall of Famer, but he was the best player on a team that don't get me wrong, it wasn't like they were winning a ton. But he's the best player on the team that's putting up historic numbers. I just feel like we can't brush over that like he had no help. The Warriors team obviously stacked, but the Cavs team was stacked too. 
I don't say then, he had no help, but he was obviously like you. You're acting like the Warriors weren't that good without Kevin Durant. They, I'm just saying they were not a hundred percent. Their best player was hurt. Their center was hurt, Shot and they got from three. Their center was hurt, and he and they got dominated in the paint. He played 12 minutes, and then game. Harrison Barnes. They're kind of I don't know if he's like third or fourth scoring option on that team. But either way, a vital part of the offense, and he no-shows. Is all I'm saying. That context is important. That LeBron James performance is all-time stuff. I just think the context is important. Now to the 2014 one. The Spurs did have a, a great shooting performance, and that's really when you see the league flip to the three-point shot. But I cannot give LeBron James a pass. One, they didn't just lose that finals. They got their butt kicked they lost in five and they got destroyed and he has Dwayne Wade Chris Bosh among others on that team with him like they were the better team and they yeah, got I mean, their you look at the stats Braun had 28 and 8 Bosh and Wade combined they averaged 29.2 so they averaged one point per game better than LeBron did but they were combined they averaged nine rebounds combined and three and a half assists combined they did not play good. LeBron shot 57% from the field and 52% from three that series, um, which is, I mean, it's crazy. It, and they got smoked. Like, you, again, they got smoked. The Spurs shot 47% from three. They were 55 for 118 for the series, which is an absurd amount in five games. They made 11 threes a game. And they shot, I mean, 118 is a ton. But making 11 threes a game, you're not beating that team. No, no matter, It doesn't matter who you're playing. Kawhi shot 11 for 19. Danny Green was 9 for 20, but he had one game where he had just an absurd number. Patty Mills was 13 for 23. Manu was 10 for 24. Tim Duncan speaking, shot one. He missed it, but he shot – like, Tim Duncan shot a three. Like, that's how hot they were feeling. Like, they just – it was a, it was an absurd – absurd series Kawhi wins is it wins finals MVP it's kind of, that's kind of the famous um Kawhi checks back in and LeBron is shooting free those turns looks it's like oh crap like this like the one time it's like oh this guy's back in or like why is he coming back I don't want to go him to guard because he's just so such a pest and he's 22 which he might be entering this debate in the next five years if he keeps playing at the rate he's playing right now speaking of having three hall of famers on the team that year Hold on, hold on. San Antonio hold had on. four. San Antonio had four. They have San an ancient – Yeah, but those guys are ancient. 30, and, then they have, and then they have Kawhi, who's not the Kawhi of today. Like that, Kawhi was great. Kawhi was the finals MVP. What are you talking about? Duncan averaged 22. 15 and 10. Yeah, I'm not okay. saying they played awful. I'm Tim saying Duncan, that was not Tim Duncan of 2005. Oh my God. That is not matter. Tony Parker of – you know, 2009. Years That's old. Not, look at his stats after that. It's, and Manu, old. I'm just saying it's not those four players in their primes. The context matters. They're, they're four-time NBA champions. They're not ancient. They have Popovich, probably top three coach of all time, I think a lot of people would say. I mean, Kawhi Leonard is a great defender, great matchup for them in general, just having Kawhi to guard LeBron. I mean, probably one of the best you can have in the league at that time. And you got, I mean, you got four guys who are going to be in the hall of fame on the same team running, playing team system basketball under one of the best coaches of all time. And they shot like pulls They shot the lights out. What are you going to do? 
at the end of the day, is what what does all what does everyone say to the point where it's a meme? It's a make or miss league, and the the Spurs made everything. They yeah they got smoked, but at the same time the Spurs put on an all time performance. Yeah, I just think it's important to point out like that's twenty two year old Kawhi Leonard who averaged twelve points a game, but he was not even anything close to like the Kawhi that we saw take the Raptors to the finals and win. Like those are two completely different players. Then you got 2015, Kyrie and Kevin Love are out. Second best players, J.R. Smith on that team or so. What, I don't know if you want to call it the second best player. Matthew Bellavadova playing 48 minutes a game. And then the last two, they're, they're playing against the best team of all time plus KD. Yeah, you can't, you can't you can't blame them for the last two. Like you no, can't. No, That's you can't. that to me is ridiculous. Now, what do you guys think about like the big black mark on Michael Jordan's legacy that people always point to? is the one in nine in the playoffs without Pippen. Does that matter to you guys? So to put this in context, that's his first three years in the league, and he took over an awful Bulls organization. LeBron missed the playoffs the first two years. But what do you guys think about, like, the Michael Jordan one? Because that's brought up a lot. I think it, I think it weighs a lot. Now, you can take the Celtics series out, um, his first playoff series with the 63 and stuff, I think. But I think the – one for nine is pretty big because he's not playing great teams. LeBron was able to, again, make the finals with Larry Hughes, Zadrina Silgowskis, and Mo Williams. And LeBron and Jordan couldn't get past the Pip, the Pistons until they were able to get Pippen and Horace Grant and Phil Jackson. And you look at LeBron's coaching compared to Jordan's coaching, Jordan's coaching is far superior than the coaching LeBron's had with Tyron Lue standing on the sidelines looking like he's doing something and getting stepped over by AI. To me, what's worse, though, like missing the playoffs, LeBron did, and so your record is zero and zero, or making the the playoffs those three years and then losing. And I think the reason a lot of people, like, give Jordan credit is he lit it up. Like, he took plenty of shots, but when they were losing, he was scoring, like, 42. The first playoffs he made – was that Celtics series. And the team was like 32 and 50-something. Like, they were terrible. Like, that team shouldn't even have been in the playoffs just based on record. People look at Jordan. I think the time has done this to him where it's he carried everything. And if you look back, it's like, yeah, he carried everything. But until he got some other guys that were good players, he carried them, but it wasn't very successful. Where LeBron carried them with success – when he didn't have the best players. And then once he got help, it was like, okay, this guy's going to win some things. See, to me, the difference is Jordan, the stains on his record, the losses are early in his career. And then it was like, oh, once the light goes off or once help gets there, he didn't lose anymore after that. LeBron, that 2011 finals is right in his prime with a team that is favored. I've been debating in my head how long to go on the 2011 finals because it is the worst finals performance ever for like a top 20 player all time. And I, I don't even think that's close. Like he got outscored by Jason Terry, had the worst plus minus in the series, had an eight point game was scoring zero in the last 13 minutes. JJ Barea was shutting him down. Like I blame LeBron James for all the white guys under six foot on Twitter that are like, I could do better than this when they watch an NBA game. 
because they saw J.J. Barea stop LeBron James. Obviously, yeah, I, that's not the whole picture. That's just I like mean, the, the, the highlight that we remember. It's an unexplainable thing. Obviously, he got in his own head and something happened. They lost to Dirk. That is it. You're way going against the grain on some of these takes with like the, the Mavs team not being – the Mavs were a solid team. They played – this is what – this is how people beat LeBron. They play team basketball. Okay. There's no one person. There's there's Dirk, and then everyone else is like kind of equals, and you don't know who's going to score. You don't. They're passing the ball, whipping around the perimeter, and then someone gets an open shot. Well, there's nothing LeBron can do about something like that. I will say, obviously, LeBron had a terrible perform. I'm not trying to say that it was terrible, but out of all his career, which is now approaching what 17 years almost, yeah. that's the one. Ser- that's the one. There's one series you can point to and say LeBron didn't really play that good. Besides I'd argue. That, there's LeBron more. Is. Remember, we're comparing LeBron James to Michael Jordan or Kareem or whoever. Like, this is for greatest for all time, not LeBron James versus Bradley Beal. Like, so there's a different yeah. standard. And so just one difference that I know, especially like huge Michael Jordan supporters would go after, is that 07 finals. And you're going to think that's crazy, but it's not that they didn't win. It's that, sure, I agree with you. If Michael Jordan's on that team, they lose, probably even get swept still. But Michael Jordan would have, he would have averaged 40 points. And LeBron James averaged 22 on 35% shooting. Now that's not, again, that's not exactly fair because they're different players. I get it. When you look at it and perception wise, when Michael Jordan lost, he scored like 40. Some games he had some poor shooting games. Don't get me wrong. Like that happened. I'm not saying you like can't, use that as a mark against LeBron. I mean, it, obviously he played terrible. I think that it was obviously 07, they weren't supposed to win. I mean, I'm not going to say I broke down the film 07, but just knowing Popovich and the Spurs, they probably knew, hey, LeBron's the only guy who can hurt us on the court, and we're going to game plan to make sure that he doesn't kill us, would be what I assume. And when it comes to the Bird and the Celtics back then, like the, just defenses weren't allowed to be as complex you watch it, those guys are like, you got you got four guys in the paint and one guy guarding Mike. I mean, he's got to kind of shake that one guy off and hit a fadeaway, and he's pretty much open when he's hitting that fadeaway. Not like, it's just not a fair comparison when you're playing someone like that, I think. Well, see, the Mavs and the Spurs, they definitely did do that, and they played some more zone. Oh, but what, again, what hurts him, at least from perception, is like if you watch that series, especially, again, against the Spurs, they did it even more obviously, where – they wouldn't guard him. Like, that's the defense. And it's just hard for people to see that and be like, that's the best player ever. When their goal is like, hey, actually don't guard him unless he's at least 15 feet from the from the basket. And that's so. just hard to see and be like, yep, that's the best player ever. Where Michael, again, I'm with you on the defense. Without the double team, he was able to get off shots easier. However – at the rim was much tougher for him than it ever was for LeBron. I think, though, too, Michael never carried a team in the playoffs by himself, like ever. LeBron could carry a team of nobodies through multiple playoff series. Jordan could not. He ne- that was the one thing he couldn't do was he couldn't because he was so obsessive with his style of play and his leadership, he could never get and carry an actual team or a team of players that weren't 
competitive or even all-star level with a couple of his other players to other series in the playoffs because he was not dominant enough as a complete player. He would give you the points, but again, with his efficiency, he was not giving you enough with other aspects of the game, I don't think, to make your team that successful. Bronze 11, yes, was terrible. Who knows what was going on mentally in that point. It was his first year with the Heat. Even though he just had what everybody thought was like his coming out coming out party against the Bulls the series before, who knows what happened. It was mental. He played terrible. It was bad. It was a terrible series. But you look at Jordan and him not being able to carry a team through some of that adversity until he got better players – I think really shows a lot of the same argument you're going to show with 11, but I think his is more that LeBron did it in the finals at that final stage where Jordan doesn't have the, I'm going to completely take over the team early in his career when he didn't have help. I think he was obviously incredible. I think he is the second best player I don't think there's – I think the tier of him and LeBron are pretty far and away. But I, I just don't see Michael as somebody that brought the ball up the court, controlled the offense, put everybody in the right spot, made the right play. Michael was – if he brought the ball up the court, more times than not, he's taking the shot. Again, he fought the coaching of the triangle too. It was not – he did not want to do that at first because it was not Michael-centric. That's why he liked Doug Collins. Doug Collins was Michael everything. That's why he won MVP, Defense Player of the Year, Dunk Contest, All-Star MVP. Like, he won every award that year. He's averaged 38 points a game. Like, it's absurd. But the team sucked. They weren't great. They, they, didn't, they didn't get it past – they didn't make the finals. LeBron's 07 team was trash. LeBron's 18 team, they were the four seed in the East, and we all agree the East, especially that year, was terrible. And he had to hit, what, three buzzer beaters against the Raptors. They swept the Raptors and pretty much entered the Toronto stuff for them to go and have to get Kawhi to come there. The reason Michael Jordan didn't carry some of those early teams to the finals was because he was going up against one of the greatest dynasties of all time and those 80 Celtics and a kind of like mini dynasty with the Pistons. There was not that in the Eastern Conference when LeBron's playing. There's just not. There was like you 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 say there was the equivalent or something that could even sniff the 80 Celtics and those Pistons. Because I know people say the the Pistons with Ben Wallace First of all, are you kidding me? You they didn't went, watch the games okay. then. Second so, of all, that's three years after they won their championship. But, like, that, that team was not good in 2007. That team was not good in 2007. They made, I think, four or five straight conference finals. It was completely different at that time period where that Pistons team was almost like Bad Boys 2.0, where they were rough and tumble, beat you up. Again, the finals with them and the Spurs in 05 was like, that was the chain turning point for the league where it's like, we got to open this crap up. Like we can't have 70 to 70 in the finals. That, that nobody's going to watch this stuff. That team in the East was dominant. 
Now, are they looked at the same as the all-time teams like the Bad Boy Pistons? No, because they don't have the allure of the Bad Boy Pistons. They don't have the branding. They don't they have, have no Isaiah Thomas. Like, I like Billups. His career average in points is like 17. Like, he's a good player, and that does him a little injustice just pointing out points per game. But when you get into a lot of these series, what it comes down to is your player getting your team a bucket. And they okay. don't have that. Even okay. if you want to say they're really good, they don't. Okay. Well, how old, you know, how old LeBron was in that series? Oh, so young. He's 22. Michael didn't even play because he broke his foot when he was 22. Well, he's, he and actually then, dropped 63 on the Celtics. Maybe the greatest well, team yeah. of all time. But I'm yeah. with you. And I'm they with got you. swept. So with LeBron, they would have gotten swept against the 86 Celtics too. Like we, they probably would have. But I mean, it's Michael didn't have any sort of real success. They didn't. He wasn't a threat until 25 years old. Yeah, but that it, oh, you got to put it in perspective. They got that's his fourth year though. But that's only his fourth year in the league. That's one, two, three, four. It's, it's his fifth year in the league, okay. and he's 25, not 22. LeBron's 22 years old, still very young in his career. When you're looking at this stuff. Like, I don't hate LeBron for leaving, but it does make a big difference. Like, Michael Jordan stayed with the team. They drafted Scottie Pippen. Like, he didn't join a Scottie Pippen in his prime. You know what I mean? Like, Dennis Rodman, a great player, but doesn't score. That's completely different than joining other players in their primes and then underachieving. I don't I don't agree with that because if you have three all NBA players on the same team, you're a super team. It doesn't matter how you got those players. I know the the view. Who's better, Wade or Scottie Pippen? Wade. I think, Who's better? I think Bosch? Wade's a better player. I don't he think Bosch is as good as Rodman or Grant. I don't think. I was I was about to say that's like an impossible comparison anyways. Like who can you, you can't I mean, really compare Rodman to somebody. But my point is he can't score, and that's perfect for Michael Jordan. So that's a good fit. But it does make a difference. Like there's no other scoring option. People say LeBron left. LeBron gave Cleveland seven years, seven years of his career to build a team. And the best they could do, not very good. By year four, Jordan has Scotty and Horace. So LeBron right, have, went three years past that and still had nothing. I'm just saying it's different. Michael Jordan's squad, talented. They were great. Like I think anybody who tells you that he was pulling up a bunch of bums, they don't know what they're talking about. But it makes a difference that being organic and I think that's why they were able to sustain longer. But a Scottie Pippen, a Horace Grant as rookies is different than a Dwayne Wade in his prime, is all I'm saying. Jordan had eight seasons where he had a teammate make all defensive team, either first or second team. LeBron has one season where a teammate made all defensive team. Do you guys want to know who the teammate is? You just want to guess who that is? Is it that Joel dude from the Heat? No, not Joel James. It's not Tristan? No, not Tristan, not Battier. In a season that he played with them, they made all-defensive team. Anderson Barajow, he made Uh, third-team all-defensive one year. That's it. He was up there. I'm looking at his name right now. I was going to make him say that. That's it. I I wouldn't think he would have, but I mean, that would have been the only guess I could have made. I just think stats like that show how dominant he is over an era where – athleticism and everything has kind of stepped up and the game has completely changed. I just really, really can't see LeBron not being number one. And that might just partially be because 
I saw LeBron James play his entire career and I haven't seen like, I didn't see Michael Jordan play his entire career. That might be part of the reason, but I also think some of the stuff LeBron has done in the next 10 years, when we come back, we're like, Holy cow. Like he did all this stuff against these teams. Like we'll be able to look back and be like, we will be able to appreciate it more, but I also think his career will look even greater with hindsight and the way he was able to dominate an era. How I might describe it is, I think Michael Jordan had a bigger arsenal of weapons in general. He His game might have been a little more well-rounded in terms of scoring. It's hard. Like, you just don't see people shoot like him anymore with all those double clutches and everything. Like, when you watch all this stuff at the last dance, just like watching him play, it's just awe-inspiring the way he was doing it. Like, the, the layups he was making, like, where he would jump and then two other people try to block him and he just, like, clutch it around and then and go to the other side like you just don't see that a whole lot as much anymore and the fact I mean he just jumped so high he could do it to such an extreme that it's just like unbelievable you just couldn't really believe what he was doing but LeBron is just more efficient because he's just a a different athlete a better athlete in terms of all around size speed all that he's a different person Brian could have the best arsenal of basketball moves of all time (laughs) unfortunately he just doesn't have the size LeBron is just a freight, a freight train. And he, that's why people, you know, will say that Jordan's better is because he looked like he was doing more impressive things. But LeBron, was, he's did it better. It might not look as pretty, but, you know, they say about golf, it's not a, it's not a picture book, it's a scorecard. At the end of the day, you look at the box score, it all counts for two points or three points. So I think that's one reason why people really, really like to defend Jordan is because you watch him play and it's just like, wow, this guy's – you know, turning his back to the basket, throwing over his head, like doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And LeBron just like kind of jumps up and dunks along. You have it just doesn't have the skill aesthetics to it. I, I get where you're coming from, and to me, I think that's where you get into the next kind of part of the, the discussion. And to me, like it's all very close. And then when you get to the stuff that is, to be frank, more subjective, how did you perceive what you were watching? And you have Michael Jordan, who's known as like a bad MFer that people are scared of, mentally intimidated people. And then you look at LeBron and he gets carried off the court for a calf cramp. This is one of the very few opportunities that us three right here could legitimately say to a professional athlete. Like, I've experienced that, and I have been a lot tougher about it. Most of the stuff, like, you know, people are like, oh, why is that receiver coming out? It's like, well, Cam Chancellor just destroyed him, and I'm pretty sure you've never experienced that. But I can tell you, Mr. LeBron James, I have experienced my fair share of calf cramps, (laughs) and I did not need to be carried off. Twitter was just getting started. Imagine if that happened now. Twitter would explode because people could halfway legitimately be like, I'm tougher than LeBron James right now. Like, Jordan had some just, like, pouty games where, like, he was in the NBA yeah. playoffs and he shot eight times, like, in a, in a game. He's, like, three for eight, just did it, just, like, I'm just not going to do anything today. Screw you guys. You guys do it yourself. Like, I don't care. LeBron like, okay. played through that whole series with a broken hand, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, I yeah, don't want to hear nothing about that. I don't want to hear. <laughs> what do you no. mean? He had a cast on his hand. Here, you guys are going to get me to curse on here. Are you kidding me? <laughs> If I, sh- if, I sh- if I show up tomorrow and I've got a neck brace on, did I break my neck? <laughs> I, 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 that's, like, that's like where we get to see the chicken or the egg. And it's like, 
oh, do you break a bone and then put a cast on it? Or do you just put a cast on it so you don't break a bone? He is very good at working the narrative in the media. He's very aware of his media narrative and coming out after the series with a, the directly after the last game with a cast on was definitely him trying to work the media. That's part of what we know LeBron is. Uh, he's very aware of image, which positively and negatively has impacted him. It makes him come across like Mr. Excuse. Like he's always got his excuse for something. Paul Pierce has been doing all this crazy stuff and we don't need to talk about him. But, you know, he's had, like, some hot takes recently. That Eastern Conference final series has been brought back up. And LeBron basically shrunk in that series, especially games five and six. They lose the last three. They lose games four, five, and six after being up 2-1. And he disappeared. He, I'm telling you, if you've watched the game, it's indefensible. And basically everybody has said he quit. But here's my point. His camp recently leaked that – oh, well, actually, he got into it with a teammate after game three, so he was sedated for the last three games. Because it was more not like he scored two points and shot awfully. It was more like the body language, the, you know, and that's why people accuse him of quitting in that series. And kind of the biggest image from that, obviously, is the walking off with your jersey off, taking it off. Is this the last time we're going to see LeBron in a – uniform, all that fun stuff. Well, then what do you guys think about that LeBron was thinking about retiring from basketball and playing football? In game six, he had 27, 19 rebounds and 10 assists, um, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was going to say, 27, 19, and, and 10. And he, he apparently gave up on the team by having 19 rebounds, more than almost more than the rest of the starters combined. You can see it. Again, not that like he played awfully. Like, he was out. He already knew he was leaving. Either A, you're saying he didn't care, or he, he had a decent game, or B, you're saying he didn't care, and he still had 27, 19, and 10, not of even course. caring. That's why I think he's similar to Wilt. I think you're referencing game five more, because game five he had 15 points, and he was three for 14 from the field. That was yeah. that was the bad game. Shaq had 21 that game, surprisingly, with the Cavs, which is kind of crazy. Mm. I think you're right. I think there's – he has his moments, and the football thing is weird. I think that was him, again, playing with the media narrative. He was apparently a really big-time football recruit his junior year until he stopped playing football. If you haven't watched his highlights, you need to. It's really crazy. And, I mean, well, I think it was more of like, oh, well, Michael went and did baseball, but I could go play in the NFL. And I definitely could. Like, somebody – Jerry Jones, like, he said, like, Cowboys were kind of interested. Like, that would have been no, Jerry Jones, I think, would have signed him. I think he would have done it for the media narrative. And also, like, the dude's 6'9", 250. If he actually goes and does football workouts, like, he could probably get up to, like, 290. Like, no joke. He's, I think it was more of a – I want people to talk about me a little bit. The defensive coordinator at his high school, I think his name was Mark Murphy. He played, he played for the Packers, the safety for the Packers. That's what he says. He says, I tell people that I rate my top receivers coaching, playing, or watching, speaking about himself as a safety. My top receivers are James Lofton, Jerry Rice, Steve Largent, and LeBron James. So he, said, he, he claims LeBron James is one of the best receivers he's ever seen play. You, he could have played in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt. See, see, to me, though, it was one of those things where he's so polarizing now, especially because it's in reference to some of this Michael Jordan stuff. But, you know, some people were like, oh, wow, 
you know, what an athlete. Because supposedly the Cowboys, like, actually basically, like, had a contract for him. And, I, I mean, I believe it. One, for the ticket sales. But, two, he's that level of athlete. He could, at the very least, be, like, an insanely dominant red zone target that, like, just nobody could do anything with. But I think the other side, and it kind of backfired him a little bit, is then it's like, well, hold on. Because Michael Jordan did this after winning a three-peat and basically getting on top of the world. And you're saying that you almost retired and people, you know, they would have called it quit. Like he just quit. He was losing, was unhappy with Cleveland and just quit. So then that kind of hurt him. I've been going back to the leaving. This is the best they could, uh, they could do after seven years. Lineup is LeBron James, Mo Williams. They traded for Antoine Jameson in the middle of the season in 2010. He played like 30 games. He was 33 years old. Hall of Famer. 33-year-old Hall of Famer who was averaging 15 points a game. Anderson Verjao. All defense. Anthony Parker, who was 34. Delonte West. Hey, man, we know. he's That's a bad dude. 37-year-old Shaq, who could probably barely walk at the time. Probably his knees were about to explode in any moment. Hall of Famer. Uh, J.J. Hickson, NC State legend. Zildrano hey Sogowski. I, I appreciate you bringing that up, though. You brought up LeBron's biggest loss. That's maybe the <laughs> biggest stain on his record. Um, well, you know. He, Would somebody do that to Michael Jordan? Or Kobe. Maybe. Probably, yeah. People think no. – People are like MJ. It was just like these guys in the, in the documentary are like, I wasn't scared of Michael. Like these guys are alpha men. They don't They don't think Michael Jordan is God. They're out there trying to beat him. And they would have done it just to say they got one over on him. I'm sure there's plenty of people. I'm sure – you know, Horace, Horace Grant probably did it. He had been told <laughs> he didn't want to get murdered. Oh, man. Delonte <laughs> West. But, again, see, here to me is the – Biggest separator and what closes the door on LeBron James is LeBron. You were the GM, like you're the GM. No, you no, can't no, no, you no, can't no. complain about the coaches that you've had or the players that you've played with because you know what you've chosen them all along the way. Do you really think LeBron James really would have worked with the Triangle and Phil Jackson? No way. Well, no absolutely. Way. What? Absolutely. He has you to do. Are you okay? I don't think you guys understand the triangle then, opposite. because one guy can't just dribble the ball opposite. the whole time. And if you supposedly have an SF next to your name, then guess what? You don't handle the ball a ton. Or if we want to say that he's a point guard, the well, the point guards are limited in that offense. There's no way he runs. Ev- everything has to be LeBron centric. Everything. He comes into a place, and again, I'm really talking like probably at the Cavs 08 to 2010, and then obviously we know after that. He tears it all up. He chooses the coach, which he wants a coach that sits down and be quiet. Like that, that's, I'm pretty sure that's how their meetings go. He's like, hey, Ty Lue, you sit down in the corner and, and don't say anything. Raise your hand if you have a question. And then he implodes the place. Like when they leave, the heat would have been pretty good, and they, Bosh had some health things. But like the Cavs, of course they were going to be awful after he left. Like, that's not really much proof of LeBron's greatness. I don't know if he was the GM the first time. I don't know if he was that – I don't think he was that heavily involved, and that was a big thing people talk about is, like, LeBron tried to get people to come play with him in Cleveland, and no one would go play with him the first time around for whatever reason. 
Then once he went to yeah. Miami, obviously he got Wade and Bosch, and then he got his boys. And then then that's when he really started to become the GM kind of guy. And that's when he started winning, coincidentally. Going back to your Phil statement with the triangle, if Scottie Pippen can be successful in the triangle, think of Scottie Pippen on steroids, and that's Michael Jordan, or that's LeBron James. Yeah. Scottie can be that successful in that kind of system. Think of what a guy that is a better shooter, passer, rebounder, just as good of a defender at his peak, and a better ball handler and a better superior athlete with two more inches on him can do in that same position. That's of course he would be good. I'm not saying he wouldn't have been good, Pulis. I'm saying he wouldn't have done it. No. He would push back. If he had a coach that he respected or a coach like Phil like that. Phil at that time was a nobody. Just a nobody. The only coach he's ever had that was somebody that he didn't overrun was Spolstra and in turn Riley. He wasn't doing that to the Heat. He tried to get rid of Spolstra. You know yeah, that. At the, very be- at the very beginning. And then after they figured something out, he didn't. And Spolstra is now looked at as one of the five best coaches in the league. But he, that's exactly he, my point, Ethan, that he blows it up and wants to tear things down and get yes-men in, that he doesn't give it a chance. That, like, that's the perfect example. Pat Riley was the one person that was like, no, I get to make the decision. And then you, it worked out. Again, I'm not backing so think, up any of the early Cleveland stuff. They were that was bad. I back. I mean, I would back up his decision to leave. But then you look too. If you're going at the him being the kind of secret GM of the team and making most of the decisions, the 18 team when they were complete trash when he had Dwayne on the team and mid season they literally trade half the roster they just said we're gonna flip half of these guys for other half of these guys and pretty much I'm sure LeBron had a pretty solid hand in most of the moves the team eventually I mean makes the finals now were they the best team ever no but was that team before he flipped half the team going to make the finals probably not also with the Lakers was it smart for him to get rid of the young guys? Yeah, it was probably smart for him to get rid of the young guys because his window is not very long. There's no reason for him to wait for Lonzo Ball and some of those guys to and Brandon Ingram, which Ingram probably would have been a good piece to have. Um, he's kind of – him in uh, New Orleans has actually been a really good player. But I think him saying, all right, we want Davis, we're going to get Anthony Davis, that was a smart move. Now, if you want to talk about anybody being a GM, we can go look at the Hornets and see how terrible of a GM Michael Jordan is – yeah, well, let's, B.J. Armstrong hit that shot against him in the playoffs, so he decided to tank the Hornets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I just – most people that argue for LeBron are pretty pretty on average. Like, okay, Jordan's probably second. There's not a whole lot of LeBron people that are saying like, Jordan's like sixth or fifth. And then you have people that argue that Jordan's a top, and it's like they don't like that there's somebody that's approaching or even past the greatness of Jordan. And they'll argue like Paul Pierce has done or other people have done like, oh, LeBron's not even top five. or He's like fourth or fifth or he's like eighth or whatever because they don't like LeBron. To me, it's not crazy to have him fifth. Like I would disagree with it, but it, I can see the perspective of when it comes down to it, it's a team game and he just doesn't have the finals wins, especially to touch. Like I believe he said he had like Bill Russell above him. Michael Jordan above him, Kareem, and I think he maybe said Magic. 
So all those guys have at least five and, you know, the lowest would be magic with five and his career was cut short. So I get from that perspective, he's obviously putting a ton of the emphasis on championships more so than a stat line, at least me. I mean, from a coach's perspective, I value the mindset and the mentality and that stuff. I feel like so much more than the, just the average fan that values the box score a lot. I don't think that you can really refute that LeBron James is missing something there when we put him in relation to a Michael Jordan. And I think that's important. Like people want to compare that sort of stuff to the average player. Well, we're not, we're doing it to the very top. So that's a whole different standard. And like Michael Jordan, I I think the six for six is the most overblown thing. The part that's cool about it is like those were just his last six years. Like that's cool, but like I I think it's better to let's say win six but go to nine finals than win six and only get to six finals. Like I think that's foolish. But LeBron James, those Heat ones you cannot defend. Two out of four is a hard pill to swallow. That is tough because that 11 finals was awful. He essentially single-handedly lost them, the finals. And then 2014 is more defensible, but the way they got their butt kicked, again, with Wade and Bosh, and they have Battier, they have Ray Allen, like they got top players. And then, I mean, to me, I don't like getting into picking apart the finals that you did win. Like a lot of the times, you know, people point at the 2013 one because he had a couple turnovers in the last minute. He missed the threes, and then it took that crazy bounce. Bosch gets it, kicks it to Allen for the three. But when you look at anybody's championships, like you're going to have close wins. So I, I don't get into picking those apart. I just think the going three and six in the finals – is not good enough when you consider the context. Like I think minimum of four, minimum, and probably should have like five, but that, I mean, going up against those Warriors, that was tough. See, I I think you can throw out like the 07 one and the last two. You can just throw those out because those aren't even fair. And then I would argue the same thing in 2015 as well without Kyrie and Kevin Love. There's really only two finals you can really you can really count against them, I think, and it's 2011, obviously, and then the second one against the Spurs, I guess. I mean, I coach basketball, and I would rather have a guy like LeBron on my team that is going to make everybody better, that is going to do everything, be efficient from the field, and then always be thinking they're going to make the right play. For me, I would rather have a guy like that that is – always looking for the right basketball play. It makes it more fun for everybody to play around. And I think that's something that LeBron has. Like, I think he is a generally like you're on his team. He's fun to play with. Yes. There's going to be times where it's the LeBron show, but that's all excellent, great players. I think part of it's a generational thing. Don't you think? Yeah, I absolutely. Like like, I'm telling you in, in, in 20 years in 30 years, people are going to say, like, wow, James Harden makes his teammates better. Wow, James Harden, look at all those assists. He must be selfless. Wow. 
they're going to even start comparing him to Magic. And that should be a crime. Because if you watch the games, James Harden does not make his teammates better. Does not. If you And I would say the, the thing with LeBron, I agree with your point, he definitely makes his teammates better. I think it's a little bit overblown just because we have the ball in your hands all the time so you can do more. The center's out of the game. You can rebound more. Uh, so I think part of it's a generational thing and the style of play. That's why we see, like, the triple-double is like, it means nothing now. Markel Fultz, one of the biggest busts of all time, got a triple-double at 19. Lonzo Ball's gotten plenty of them. Like, a triple-double just doesn't mean anything anymore because those player roles aren't as defined. That's, to me, where the water gets really muddy. And it's like, well, how do you judge? Because, like, would Michael change his game that much to fit? Like, would he just score even more? Or would his assist get closer to, you know, 8-9? Or would he just play the exact same? It really boils down to, like, best player ever I know you didn't want to talk about like athleticism and stuff but at this point where we're just splitting hairs the three plus inches and the 32 god knows how much LeBron actually weighs 60 pounds if they say he's up to 270 when he was at that one when they say he might have been up to 270 at one point that has a huge difference in this debate that is the biggest difference at the in the end if you really want to just split hairs you're, they're going to give you production they're going to give you this their stats no matter what lebron's going to do it in a bigger tougher more durable frame and he also is going to do it again with a less usage percentage than jordan i think when you look at lebron james and it, if you measure everything down to every skill He's the better player. He's a bigger, faster athlete. See, here's the kind of caveat and why I talk about greatest versus best. Because to me, if you say LeBron James is the best player ever, then you have to acknowledge that that's going to change in 30-ish years. Because athletes are only going to get bigger and faster. Like, there's only going to be a better player moving forward. And that, you know, and that's fine, but I, I just think it's fun to, to think about the dominance over your peers. And I think you can't underestimate the mental dominance that Michael Jordan had over his peers, the way that they didn't only respect him, but revered him, I think is special. And I think really does set him apart and makes him a player that you can always point back to as one of the greatest ever kind of regardless of generation. The way he approached the game was just, he was a killer. He kind of aspired to be almost a lot of people. And LeBron was more, he's always said he, he just wants to make the right basketball play. This was, that was his big thing his whole career. I, that's more just what you like. I think, I don't know if one's necessarily better than the other. I think it's just what you want to build your team around, I guess. And uh, it's tough for me to separate them just because I like, I'm a guy who likes MJ's mentality more than LeBron, but it's hard to argue against the, the things LeBron has done, especially with the stats and everything like that. I mean, you, you can only take them, you know, for what they were in their, in their respective eras. Yeah, LeBron's lost six finals, but you had to put some context into it, and Jordan won all six of his, but he also didn't make a finals until he was 
20, what was he, 27 or something, something like that when he made the first one. LeBron was 22. He didn't do a whole lot before he actually made the finals. I mean, he lost, you know, he wasn't really super competitive until a couple years before he made the finals. They, they all had their pros and cons, but at the end of the day, I mean, you, you both respect how great both of them were in their eras and probably at this point are leaning a little towards LeBron. Yeah, the story's unwritten, obviously, for LeBron. If he potentially has four more years where he's a top player, that could definitely change things. But like always, I think the context surrounding each of their stories is always important. And really, no matter how you look at it, any all the guys that we mentioned are all-time greats that are so fun to watch. It'll be disappointing, I guess, when LeBron really finally does step away from the game you know, his presence will definitely be missed. Even for the positives, those great games that we've talked about and even the the down moments, that just makes the story fun and makes it awesome to consume as a fan. And so I think really either way, it's great. It is, like you said, kind of a which is your cup of tea. Uh, Me personally, I still go back. Like if I need to pick one player to start a team, build my team around, I'm still going Magic. I really think like Magic could have played with Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan still could have gotten like all of his stats. No, I, I agree. I agree. I, I mean, if you start, start a team from scratch, I mean, I would take LeBron first because I think you can, you can put him at four different positions really. And you could kind of build your team in different ways with him. He's a little bit more versatile than anybody else, but no magic magic would really be, I think, up there and I think I mean obviously you have to Jordan is definitely up there I mean he's second all time in my opinion I think it's really close as much as I argued for LeBron today I do think it's really close just the team the way you would have to build a team with like you said Magic or I think LeBron too is a little bit easier than with Jordan I think you have to kind of fit pieces a little bit better with Jordan just because he is fitting one specific role you have to fill around where the other guys can play a little bit more versatile roles that's one of those things that no, no matter how this turns out there's not going to be one black and white answer. I wanted to just uh, close it on this and just say, PB, this is especially for you. The only planet that Harden is better than Kobe on is Twitter. And that's it. That's the only place it exists. Yeah. How old is Harden now? Who cares about (laughs) I think he's like 31 or something. Still got some years. (laughs) There's no way. (laughs) I'm immovable. On that he one. won the next two championships, then he's definitely better than Kobe. That's not even a question. I think five is still more than three. I don't know. Would you I'm rather have sh- five fingers on your hand or three? I'd rather have Shaq on my team. <laughs> <laughs> and that well, that's three. That's that's three of them. All right. Well, I appreciate it. I think we decided that uh, Michael Jordan's definitely the goat, and uh, I appreciate your time. All right. Yeah, not Michael Magic. Yeah, that's what I mean. Magic Johnson. <laughs> the wrong MJ. <laughs> yep. All right. Thank you for listening to today's edition of the Bolstered Up Sports Podcast. I'm Brian Bolster. Please follow me on Instagram at bolstered underscore up underscore sports and on Twitter at BS underscore takes. Please share, rate, review, and subscribe. I appreciate all of the support. Got a great podcast coming up breaking down the golf match between Brady and Mickelson versus Manning and Tiger. Really looking forward to that one, so stay tuned.